This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Unfortunately, there is no other way to start this episode of HFC Chat um, without paying our respects to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Sad news coming out yesterday, um, yesterday evening that she has passed away. Of course, all of our thoughts are with the royal family um, who are going through a very difficult time. And I know that this will be a significant loss to many as well. So there was no other way to mark um, the start of another episode of HFC Chat without paying our respects but moving on um to what is episode 49 of podcasts that we've produced together closing in on the big 5-0 um and no better way to start than well i say no better way but we'll start by looking back on recent results for pools there's been two draws tranmere and colchester two losses bradford and orient and of course a win in the papa john's trophy 2-0 against Harrogate. We are not going to spend a lot of time going into each of these games individually. I think, you know, we've conceded four against Orient, who are obviously a good team, very good side. Uh, We've lost to Bradford as well, which was no real surprise in my opinion. We've picked up points against Tranmere and Colchester, as said um, in the intro there, but... You look at the Colchester game, we conceded in the 94th minute. It just shows game management perhaps isn't up to scratch. Um, Really feel for the fans that went down there, support the boys. Um, To come away from that must have been sickening. Um, And, you know, to win the Papa John's, it's good to get a win behind us. Not really looking too much into it, though. I, I know, Davo, that we were talking about it and... It was kind of one of those, and and I don't mean this with any disrespect, but it was kind of like, well, even if we win tonight, the league is so much more important anyway. That does it, although it'll build a bit of confidence, and it's great that we've won. Does it really mean a lot? And I don't mean to degrade the fact that we've won, um, and obviously putting a good performance, but 
I'm just so worried about our league status that I can't really get excited at this point about you know beating Harrogate two 0 in the Papa John's Trophy. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that's where I'm at. I'm just more focusing on the league, and when I look at that, we've conceded four against Orient for the third time this season. We've conceded four, um, albeit one of them was against Blackburn. Um, I believe we conceded three against Bradford. Correct. Um, so you know. We're just shipping goals for fun, and that's not where you want to be. I think one thing that I do want to, as I've said on my personal Twitter, kind of not hold my hands up, but admit that you know Omar Bogle's gone on to Newport, and he's. And I know this admittance will make you smile, because uh, you've been on about it for a while. I know I got quite a bit of stick off you lot for, you know, saying oh I'm not really bothered about Bogle leaving, but. He's gone to Newport and he's bagging goals for fun. And it just leaves the question that why wasn't he able to do that? Pulls, not saying that he didn't have the talent to do it, but and I know that the team was struggling at the time. But it, it, I don't know, there's just something about it um, in my head that I'm kind of thinking, well, he was he's clearly a very good footballer. How come that didn't really transpire into that at Pools after his little start that he had. So a couple of things here there, Davo, to touch on um, and perhaps come back to on that, you know, the lack of um, results in the league and, and also why perhaps Omar wasn't fully getting results for us on the pitch. In regards to the Omar Vogel conversation, which I won't go into too deeply because I've said this to you, I've said this to a lot of people and I've actually said it on social media that I thought the first four or five games after he signed in January proved that he, you know, he clearly knew where the net was and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a team where everybody stopped playing. Now, I'm not going to just sit here and defend Omar Bogle because I think there are certain facets that are questionable, his attitude, his work rate, granted, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those that I won't go into. Um, the Papa John game, you know, as much as cup runs are important to teams like Hartlepool, from a more, from a more financial point of view, I think, like you've rightly said, at the moment, as much as it would be nice to see Pools go on and do something similar to what they did last season, I think at the moment, I just can't get excited by their idea. Or, you know, it's my concern, my focus is is on our bread and butter, which is obviously the league. Um, we're not doing well. Um, like you say, we're shipping goals in games, and we just, unfortunately, I just don't think we're we're fully connected on the field. Can you it, see that changing or not? It needs to change ASAP. We, you know, if in football you don't get time, you know Hartley doesn't get time. You've seen this season already with the likes of Tuchel being sacked. You just do not get time and. Things need to change ASAP. I know it's difficult when you've gone down the route we've gone by employing a manager with no experience in the football league. You've signed players with no experience, but unfortunately, that's the risk that the owners took. Um, but honestly, things drastically need to change. It's I watched that Colchester game going from the back to the midfield seemed fine, but when once that transition of going from the midfield into attack, there was absolutely nothing. Mm. And I know Hartley come out after that game and he was despondent about our 
deadline day business saying, you know, he was frustrated not to get names through the, the door and he's then obviously come away from deadline day and going into that game, there was injuries to Sterry, um, Yumera, yeah, yeah. he was injured, so losing like your main outlet in a game where you need him more than ever. I mean, I just don't know what to say, Jack, I really don't. We've had numerous conversations, I've had numerous conversations with my dad, the lads. I want to get behind Hartley, this regime, I want him to succeed, but I just genuinely don't know how long we go on in this run that we're on at the moment, because, I mean, you might disagree, and other people who, who listen to this podcast may disagree, but watching Pearls at the moment, although we are scoring goals, I just don't see where we win. I genuinely don't see where we win, and for me, that's a huge concern. The thing is, as well, we're not, we're not, it's not as if we're scoring plenty of goals and losing or drawing. We're picking the odd one up here and there, and it it's just so frustrating. And and we've both said this, and there's no hiding from this. You know, we'll be dead honest. It it is at the minute. It's like it's a chore to watch polls. You do not go into it thinking, oh, get in, Pulls are playing at the weekend, like when we had Chalner. And I know you can't always constantly go back to the past, but if you compare it to this time last year and you're thinking, oh, Pulls are at home on Saturday, you know, we may lose, but we know we'll give it our all, we'll play some really good attacking football, we'll get the wing-backs involved. This was all promised by Hartley that we were going to play this free-flowing attacking football and it just hasn't come to fruition. And it's For me personally, I, you know, I, I'm not looking forward to the next time that Pools are playing. It's like a Pools going to lose by three or four once again. Um, but yeah, you know, ev- everybody will have a different view on this. Um, as you say, you want to get behind it, but quite frankly for me at the moment, it's difficult to get behind a club that seems that it's lost all momentum, that doesn't seem to be a, a like a, a direction that is clear. Um, I'm really, really, really worried about our league states and I, the repercussions of us not being in the football league aren't even worth thinking about because as, as hard as it is to say, I, I couldn't see us surviving it a second time because we were if we hadn't got up in 21... I was unsure about how long we'd be able to keep sustaining ourselves in the National League. But Kenny's also asked us, and and you've touched on it there, about the frustrations that Hartley said he's had about the transfer window. Kenny said, how how have we viewed the transfer window as a whole? Where do we see pulls in the league in January? And do we believe significant movement... um, come January will will be available there will be funds I guess let's break it down so first of all Davo what are you thinking on the transfer window as a whole from the summer I'm going to say something here and I'm saying it because I have you know I've got no reason to say it other than it's my opinion we have no affiliation with the club so this is our opinion Mm. but I believe personally that Hartley has been let down hugely by the ownership I'm not saying that because I know, I just, that's the way I view it. I think, you know, the, unfortunately this summer, playoff budget has been mm. branded around quite mm. a bit. So when you're promised, a, see it's hard, we don't know numbers, we don't know what Hartley was promised, but from the outside looking in, it seems as if at the start of all this, 
Hartley would have a decent budget to maybe assemble a good enough squad um, moving forward to, to potentially compete. So I think to now go into our second game post the summer window, it's frustrating, I think, in more ways than one, um, to sit back and have your owner come out and say, we're a million miles ahead of last season's team, I think it's absolutely, I think it's ludicrous, because mm, mm. I don't think we are. And then I think if you put last year's squad up against this year's squad, I think, you know, but in relation to the question, which is a good question, I think it's frustrating, really frustrating. Um, I think we've signed some quality. I think Yumera's shown good quality. I think he's proven he can be a good, good asset. But then I've looked at other players who are just at the moment for now. I hope that changes it. Not you know moving forward, but for some players, I think the step up has been a step up too much. Do you think there's been an over reliance on the Scottish market? Hugely, mm. but I expected that. Given Hartley's managerial career being in Scotland, I fully expected when he first came in, you know, one of my first underlying thoughts were, right, how much are we going to see Hartley use his contacts, his experience in Scotland to help build the infrastructure and help build the team? Yeah, the problem I have with this whole thing about, you know, the amount of players that he signed from Scotland, it literally just seemed like we were only, we'd got a contract that we could only sign players from Scotland. I think the thing for me in the past, it, it hasn't worked. You've looked at managers who we've had in the past who, like Craig Hignett, goes back to Borough all the time. Other managers going to Borough, Sunderland, the rejects, so to speak, from that club. And, you know, it. I don't... That can be deemed as quite a harsh term, like Borough reject or whatever. But at the end of the day, if they were that good, they'd be playing for Borough. And the reason why they're coming to us is because they've got nowhere else or it would be National League or lower. Now, I'm willing to give every player that comes into the club a chance. Um, but I, ju- I, I agree with you. I think he's been let down. We, again, know it's important to reiterate, we do not know the financial figures. We do not know what's being offered to players, who have been offered deals. Um, but... The talk of this playoff budget, it really, really, really gets to you. And I think we as supporters deserve more than just being lied to. It appears that's how it has you know, transpired, how it's come across. Um, that's how I feel anyway. I know you feel the same frustrations and I'm sure a lot of supporters do. You see the amount of tweets whenever we were signing someone, playoff budget. And you know what? At the start, it was a bit like, come on, give the people a chance. But after a while, it was just like, you know what, I, I can agree with that. You look at other clubs signing people. I mean, Rochdale have signed Scott Quigley on loan, who we all know is a fantastic player. You know, when he played against us for Wrexham, um, he's been doing all right. Obviously, he went to Stockport. He signed for Rochdale on loan. Obviously, that'll cost a bit, but he scored two on his first game. I'm not going to say he's going to go and score two every game, but that's the type of player that we should have been signing. We end up coming out the transfer window with a player who, yet again, isn't a regular first-team footballer who's experienced, who is going to be able to guide us further up if we have those ambitions, if those ambitions are genuine. And the thing that frustrates me most is that we make such a song and a dance out of signing this player 
like you know all them tweets about how you know deadline day signing all this type of stuff towards the end it's getting close to the deadline don't go to sleep and then it comes out with that and that's no disrespect to the player himself you know I don't know enough about him but one he's not an experienced player who we know we can rely on he may come good he may be really poor second of all he's not even in the position that we need and that's the thing that frustrates me most you make a massive deal out of this signing he's not even we need a striker we're crying out for strikers and we don't sign one and you know when I look back on the transfer window as a whole I think it's one of extreme frustration as you've said I think I feel let down um there's a few players that have come in. Wes McDonald, I wasn't confident when we signed him, looking at the tweets from Morecambe fans, etc., about his attitude and um, you know, the lack of goals he's scored in his career. But he's come in and he's given it absolutely everything. And you know what? I think he's been one of our better players. I've looked at him and I've watched him and I've thought that lad actually wants to, you know, give it a good go. And a couple of the goals he's scored, he's taken them really well. He's played some really good football and I'm really happy to see him doing well. But I look at Jake Hasty, a player who comes in with, you know, there's expectation around him, including myself. I bigged him up, um, you know, based on past clubs and the fact that he's represented Rangers at Europa League and then he's been playing for some decent clubs. Um, he played for Motherwell as well. You know, that, when you compare that to the league we're in, you'd think and you'd expect it would be a good enough standard to, for him to be able to do well I just think he looks miles off it he looks unfit um, and then Wes McDonald's coming and he just looks the opposite I think he looks fantastic and if you could have both of them firing it'd make the team output a lot better so yeah in terms of the first point of that the transfer window as a whole I just think it's been a big disappointment second part of the question where we see pools in the league in January <laughs> um, right now at this point I think we'll be right down near the bottom. Can't see where our win's going to come from. Um, might pick up the odd point here and there. Apparently, based on tweets, I wasn't at the Colchester game, but based on tweets, Colchester weren't up to much um, at all. And I think that makes it even more frustrating. So, yeah, look, Kenny, in answer to that question, I think we'll be down near the bottom. Um and then, Davo, I'll put this one to you. Do we believe significant movement in the transfer market will will happen? Will the funds be available in January if they are required? I mean, they are required. I don't think there's any... There's two ways of looking at that. Like you, there's no two ways about it. We need investment. We need someone brought in who it may cost us more, but if you have this ambition to get up the leagues, you've got to invest. No club... Look at Bournemouth, teams like that. No club who have gone up through the leagues, your Watfords, you know, your Leicester City. Leicester City, perfect example. No club has gone through them leagues without significant investment. And I just think that Raj isn't the man to take us forward. But that's a different question, different point. So do you think we will be backed in January if, if needed? And I'm pretty sure it will be. Not to the level where we need with Poles, you've seen last January with Carver, other players, etc. You know, history will tell you it'll be 20,000 here or 20,000 there. At the moment, you know, unfortunately, we are crying out for January. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we, like like you've just rightfully said, um, we are lacking in in certain areas, um, more so in the attacking third strikers, etc. Um, I mean, who we bring in, I have no idea. I mean, it's even worth thinking about, really. But I'm going to be realistic and say that I think it could be another frustrating winter window. Yeah, especially if this summer's anything to go by. I always have hope. I, you know, I, I'm not going to be here, you know, being negative, 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 but there's being realistic, which is absolutely fine, but then, oh, hopeful, sorry, but then I'm always dragged back by the element of, of realism and and looking back at how we have been in the past, yeah. it's the same with our results. You know, we've talked about we had quite a few heated debates in in the build up to the new season about you know this whole pools have never been a club to be at the top of league challenge. It never been a club to you know go further. And you were like, well, we've got to we've got to have a sense of realism and all this type of stuff. And I said yes, but that's got to change. The the Ambition has got to change in order for the sense of realism to change. And I think, as you say, realism has hit us like a ton of bricks this mm-hmm. season. And it's been, you know, a real reflection of where we actually are and how far we have fallen in the last 12 months. I say how far we've fallen. We're still in the same league, but we look miles different to the team that we had last season. But it's on and off the pitch as well. Like you've said earlier on, it's it's... It's everything. I mean, th- I mean, this time last year, you're playing Carlisle at home, the 6,000 at the Vic, mm. you know, absolutely top-banging atmosphere. Harrogate, Northampton, then come back. Exactly. You, you know, you fast-forward a year on, the connection's gone, mm. you know, between the teams, between the, the team, the fans, and the club and the fans, and it just seems, everything just seems, I mean, I hope not, I don't like to say this, but I feel as if it's like, we're slowly but shut falling back into the days of old yeah. where it's just like you know you lose the atmosphere you're constantly oh well what's the worst that's going to happen today that kind of mentality mm. which mm. DC came in and he changed that and he mm. made you know what he built what he made at HUFC you know I think it'll be it'll take someone a long time to kind of rebuild and reconnect but got to keep the faith well, we do say that every single episode, so it would be wrong of us not to carry on with that mantra. Next um, discussion point, I think, firstly, before we go on to it, it's been fantastic to have people get in touch. You know, we've the last episode we did this, we picked out a couple of the best questions. We picked three of the best questions that we believe are the best discussion points. Um, so next one's from Mark, um, and he's asked a fantastic question. Um well, there's two here, but the first one, what is required to knit together a lot of new players quickly and what does good look like for people in January? I'll kick this one off. What is required to knit together a lot of new players quickly? I think a lot of it is based around the attitude, the genuine ambition, um, the ethos that the club have. I think it's something that goes from the top to the bottom of a club I think if you can get things right off the pitch that will translate hopefully to on the pitch and I think that's where there's a bit of a fracture um, so I think 
in terms of what that's one thing I think the club needs to be in unison the fans need to be with the players which we've been behind the players all along um, the management need to believe in the players the club the people behind the scenes need to believe in the management and the players to deliver and I think there needs to be a good atmosphere off the pitch um, in terms of around the club in terms of around the fan base and I just don't think we have that Um I think also there's a degree of, there's always, and I really mean this in no disrespect, there's always, it's always interesting to look at, let's say, the championship players and League Two players. I'm not saying it's, I'm not using pools for example here, but I'm just using, let's take a championship club and a, a League Two club. You look at the difference between the two, the way, the sharpness that they're, the way they think, the way they react is usually a lot quicker and that's why they're the better players in the championship for example so the way that the squad can adapt to different formations different styles of play from a management team the way they can take on board that and implement it I wonder whether that's perhaps got lost in translation because I don't think there is a set with pulls like under Chelner we knew we were going to have wing backs the wing backs would get forward get plenty of balls into the box. That was the style of play we had. That was the way we played. And that had been changed from previous managers who perhaps we'd had a few, you know, we'd sat back a bit more and if we'd scored, we tried to see the game out. Whereas with Chandler, I think, apart from the odd game, we were more, we'd go for it type thing. And also the whole attitude about even if we were losing 2-0, we'd, we'd still keep fighting, we'd still come back. Whereas now, I don't think there is that set... I don't think the players have got, uh, I don't know, taken on board the way that we, that Hartley wants them to play. And that's where my point of, if a new manager comes in in a championship, the skill level, and I, I really mean this in no disrespect, the skill level and stuff enables them to quickly take on board a new formation, a new style of play. And that helps them to gel together quickly. Um, and I guess, you know, it probably helps when a lot of, well, it should help. It hasn't. I don't know whether it's helped in this case, but it should help when the um, players and the management know each other. There should be that bond. There should be that relationship, and I think that's important. So for me, what's required is a good attitude and a good atmosphere around the club by everyone pulling in the same direction, whether that be off the pitch, on the pitch, and I think results and confidence is another key section that. If you have, if you win, you get confidence, and you feel right. I can go out and play like that again and again and again. And then my final third section of that will be the fact that I think it's to do with the level of players and the implementation of systems of new managers coming in. Whether the players perhaps struggle to adapt, whether the communication isn't as good between the management, what they're wanting to get across to the players. I feel like I've rambled a bit there, um, but Mark, I hope that answers that part of your question. Do you agree with that assessment, Devo, or or am I completely off the mark and just no. talking like I think I know what I'm on about? Absolutely not, mate. Uh, it was a good, a good assessment. I was going to add and say, look, I know the gap has only been in a short period of time, but in football, like we've said, you don't get talent, I think, as well. I mean, ASAP, really, he needs to establish his first choice 11. Yes, good point. Yeah, you know, at the moment, which is it's understandable. There's gonna be a lot of chopping and changing due to just trying to work things out, injuries, etc. You've seen Sterry's injured, Yumera, and Dodgy's now injured. You know that's unforeseen. I, I 
you know, but when he has no injuries and he has a full roster to choose from, sooner rather than later, he has to hopefully go to the changing room and not even think about and say, right, this is the team, and etc, 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 which hopefully will help um, the players adapt and get used to playing around the same faces and hopefully um, players can start believing in each other's abilities but ultimately as well I think you know just put on the shirt and just give everything you know fight for each other play for each other fight for your manager fight for the fans because we'll be there you know I know we're frustrated now and we're on social media and I know the backlash has been pretty volatile but we say this because we care as fans and our we just want the best for HUFC you know we can accept our team struggling, we can accept our team getting beat. But as fans of this of this football club, what we won't accept is half assed performances and people not giving a hundred percent, you know. So I think as long as you put on the shirt, you you go out there and you can firmly go off at the end of the game and say, you know what, I've done absolutely everything I can there. I couldn't have done anything more, then I'll accept that and I'll give that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's what I've got to say on that matter. Yeah, I mean He's also asked about what point, if not already, do you start to worry? Um, if I'm dead honest, I'm already worrying. Um, we've touched on it in the previous points, um, so we won't go too much into that. I think we're pretty aligned on that view um, about, you know, it is starting to look a bit worrying the league position and, you know, wondering where we'll pick our points up from. But the final bit that of Mark's question, so to speak, is about what does good look like for people in January? Now, good may look a certain way for some people look good for you look good for me look good for whoever um but for me looking good in january is somehow pulling away from the bottom getting results um picking up some wins building some confidence and i think in time that will come if we can get a win somewhere and it, i think it has to come in the league I, you know we've got we've got tough games coming up in Doncaster and, and Crew and I struggle to see us getting any points but imagine if we can go and beat Doncaster one nil that'll breed a lot of confidence so for me January at this point and I hate to say it just as long as we're clear of the the crap at the bottom really um that that's a good look in January for myself Davo what are you thinking. Good questions, by the way. Um, It's really tough. I mean, I think, like you've said, I just want us to just be be steering away from what we are and where we are now. Um, I don't mean this in any disrespect at all, but I think as long as we are beating or not losing to the relegation fodder, the teams that are down there, the teams that we know we should be beating, and you know, but for me, it's just all about you know just staying up. I'm not implying or suggesting that I think we're going to be in the relegation zone all season, but until we start steering away from the situation that we're in now, the position that we're in now, then unfortunately, you know, that that thought's always going at the back of your mind. So I think in terms of the question, I think, it is purely about trying to get some form and staying away 
from this. Yeah, I mean, you've mentioned the term relegation fodder. I'm going to ask you a tough question here. Are we relegation fodder at this moment in time? I just knew when I looked at you there that you were going to <laughs> say that question. Um, but it goes back to what I just said. At this moment in time, I would say, yes, we are relegation mm. fodder. Mm. The form, the way we're playing, the stats, the whole maths would suggest and say we are relegation fodder. I mean, it says we can't be Colchester. Mm. I mean, if you're operating teams like Colchester, who, um, I mean, again, in no respect to them, I mean, it would not flash. No. Even in the second half, yeah, we pulled us up behind the ball and we allowed them to dictate the position. But they were doing nothing in it. They were, you know, they were, I mean, for long periods of time in the second half, I thought, you know, they could have been playing all night <laughs> and they would never have scored. You know, one ball in and it's been mm. poked in, but... In relation to your question, sadly, and it, you know, it's no reason you're saying this, but yeah, yeah, it's tough, it's tough at the moment. Um, so final question, final discussion point, and um, that has been tweeted in by Pull Monkey, I believe. Now, there's a lot of you know discussion around, and it's easy to look at certain individuals when you're going badly and, and not playing well. Been a lot of talk about, um. Nicky Featherston. Now, I have a certain view on Nicky Featherston that I believe I could easily get shot down for. I'm, so this is why I'm going to put it to you first, Davo. The question is, why is Fevs constantly criticised when we struggle? Oh, I tell you what, this would be the perfect question for me to be sat there, <laughs> um, being the anti Featherston guy that he is. <laughs> Big shout out to Trev. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I want to be sensible with this. Do you think it's fair to say, if I said to you, is it easy for fans to look for a scapegoat in games? You're like a politician, you. I ask you a question, you turn it back on me, but I'll answer it. Um, it is. It's always easy to pick a player who, you know, if when if things aren't going well, you just say, all right, well, so-and-so, so-and-so. However, seeing you haven't answered it just yet, I'll give you some time to think. In terms of Fed's wise consistent, constantly sorry, criticised when we struggle, I think because it is a difficult one to answer because I have an opinion on Fed's and whether this answers a question of why is he constantly criticised when we struggle. But for me, he hasn't stood up this season if we're talking about this season he hasn't stood up when we've needed him I think he's been a player that has just kind of you know got through the game he's gone backwards anywhere but forward most of the time and that's a massive frustration I have with him I personally you know I watch him play and I'm just like you compare it to and again it's so I feel like we're forever going to be comparing back to the Dave Chandler times, but you compare it to him under Chandler, he was just a breath of fresh air. He's one of our best players every week. He's flipping, pinging balls all hour. And, uh, <laughs> and like, you know, just the way he controlled the game and it's just, he's not he's a shadow of what he once was. And I just think as a captain, he, he's very quick to criticise everyone else, not look at himself. Um, and he really needs to step up his game. So I think it's, I think it's just quite justified quite a lot 
why he is criticised. He may well be, and people will come at me with, oh, well, he's one of our best players and stuff. Well, he may well be one of our best players, but that says a lot. You know, if he's currently one of our best players and he's not doing anything that really stands out. Daryl, do you want to add anything or do you reckon we're done on that subject? The Nicky Featherson debate will always be infuriating because as fans, you're either going to be for him or against him. And for a long period of time, especially in the early days when he when he first signed, I think for the for those first couple of seasons um, after he signed, I, I always thought that people didn't necessarily understand Nicky Featherston and maybe his role and his work sometimes in those early days went unnoticed. But then if you fast forward, then like you've just said to the to the Dave Chandler times or rewind even. Rewind, yeah, that would, that would always help. <laughs> um, if you do go back to those times, like you've said, you know, he was a breath of fresh air. Um, his performances were just there to be seen. But now we're in the transition of, you know, back in the football league. And I'm not making excuses. I mean, how old is Ferguson now? 32, 33? He's getting on a little He's bit. He's getting on a little bit now. It bears the question, has Featherston made that step up to the Football League? And I also say, again, this, this, can, all, this can be rhetorical, if you want to answer it, you can answer it, Jack. Um, but could you say this may be the beginning of the end of Nicky Featherston? Not just in terms of playing for pools, but maybe in terms of football. I don't know. I just think it has been frustrating this year because, like you say, it's like, the crab type thing is back. You know, mm. he goes from side to side, then he passes back. You know, he doesn't seem to have any kind of. Does his little pirouettes that get him nowhere? Time being Ferguson pirouette. <laughs> Love Ferguson pirouette. <laughs> but if you watch him, you know there doesn't really seem to be that positive influence from the midfield that you would would hope for from Ferguson. But like I say to you, is this the beginning of the end for Ferguson? Either at pills or. It could well be. I have a certain view on that. Um, could be controversial, so we'll leave that for another time. We're now delighted to welcome on to the episode someone who has been with us through the good and the bad. Um, no, but someone who has always contributed to the podcast. So delighted to welcome on to this episode of HFC Chat, Mr. Mark Carroll. So, Mark, we're nine games in now. I mean, how are you seeing things on the pitch? Um, it's, it's disappointing, isn't it? I mean, I haven't seen a lot of uh, encouragement so far. The two home games, we, we drew nil-nil. I don't think we played too badly, but you can see um, lack of creativity, lack of goal threat that was holding us back. Um, the away games, it's... It's not. It's not been. It's not been good. It's people said before the season started we had a difficult run of games, um, but I expect to see a bit more, and I expected to see the start of footballer Paul Hartley was was telling us about. I was expecting to see some of that. You know, I was expecting to see bits and pieces of of his you know high press attacking football. Didn't we haven't seen it? Um, and as we sit here today. You know he he needs he needs a win pronto because uh, 
it's very early in the season, but you can't help but I think even the most optimistic can't help to have some concerns over uh, the performances. You know, results are everything, but you look at the you look at the way we're playing as well. Um, altogether, it's a concern. How disappointed are you with recruitment, especially the lack of movement on deadline day? Well, definitely deadline day, but I'm disappointed that we, we've had to get to the last day then we, we, we try to bring three or four players in when, you know, we last season there was an excuse because we had a quick turnaround. This season we've had we've had quite a, a lot longer to get players in. Um, and for us to be scrambling around on the last day, trying to bring strikers in, because um, Paul Hartley said from day one, you know, we scored not enough goals last season. We conceded too many goals last season. We're one of the lowest goal scorers. And to get all the way to the deadline to the last day and not having those two areas strengthened and, and quality in there, I think is really disappointing. And I think there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors that has to be looked at as to why you've signed 16 players, as it turned out, We've got an abundance of midfield players. You know, one of your favourites, Tom Crawford, has up until <laughs> last couple of games has struggled to even get on the bench. Now he says, "I've got six midfield players, you know, centre midfield players. I can't put them all on the bench. I pick them all." But as well as those, he's got an abundance of wingers. Where now we're playing with wing backs, so those wingers like the Hasty, um, where does he where does he figure in the team at the minute? Because we've changed the formation. And then you look at certain defence, we've got three recognised certain defenders and they're all playing them in it. And we've got very few out-and-out strikers. So to have all those midfield players out of happily sacrifice one or two of those players to strengthen the, the both ends of the pitch that, as we sit here today, are really, really thin. And you can't go through a 50-odd game season with just three recognised centre defenders, especially when two of them, you look at the background, two of them have, have had you know, some rough times with injuries the last few seasons. So I'm struggling to, to understand why. I know there's lots of people trying to get strikers, but you look at the, some of the strikers have just gone within our league to other teams within our league, and you think, I, don't, I just don't understand how we haven't been able to, to bring better quality than than we have, um, you know, we, we, can't com- we can't compete with Sir Bradford Cities for financially, but if we can't compete with some of the teams that I see as bottom half teams, uh, then it's a worry to me that, uh, that those areas remain weak. Now we're in the free, free agent market where, you know, there, there, there may be one or two players there that for whatever reason, you know, are, are, are decent players and they've made their minds up prior to the deadline to be released um, to negotiate themselves but there'll be it's like going to a it's like going to a Boxing Day sale you know in the middle of January what are you going to find on the shelves Do you firmly believe that Paul Hartley is the man to take us forward? Uh, I'm having some doubts at the minute um, I don't want us to I don't want, and I've said this lots of times, I don't want us to be sacking a manager every six months, eight months, because if you were a potential manager looking at looking at the people before you and they've had an average shelf life of six, eight months, 
would you want to take the job on or would you think I'm staying clear of that because you know people people don't last the season so on one hand I want Paul Hardy to succeed and I want him to be here you know but I think you um, the longer the results go um, if we don't start winning games and sadly football is what it is questions will be asked and Mike's concern at the minute as well as results had the be on end all, but I'm yet to see the sort of football he was talking about that he, you know, his teams play. Um, so that, that is a concern as well that we, we, we're sort of changing formations, we're changing combinations. Um, hasn't anything been settled, you know, at the moment? So it's 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 some, I think these next sort of. Um, handful of games is going to be very, very important to us. So I've got a massive question for you here, Mark. And, you know, just say it how you, how you feel, yeah. say it how you think. Who do you think is more at fault, Paul Hartley or Raj Singh? Um, I, would probably, I would probably think the, the chairman. I don't criticise him very often, but... Looking at ultimately looking at it, it's you know the, the the budget there. I don't know. Is that is that is, is, is he doing what he did to Dave Charlton and holding some back for January? I don't. I don't. We obviously don't know the ins and outs. But um, I, I I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong that he's um, the Paul Hartley's sort of been hung out to dry a little bit here. I hope I'm wrong because I don't criticise the chairman very often. There's a lot of people who take pleasure in it um, I don't take pleasure in it but when he says start the season the team's a million miles better than it was 12 months ago I, I, I don't see it I don't see it when I look at the quality of the players you brought in the quality of players you brought in are down to Paul Hartley um, and I question Paul Hartley on where he's prioritised the players he's brought in um, but I think so the final part of this episode is the club news and actually podcast news but first of all we'll go with news from the club that Patrick Boys has joined Pontefract Colliery's on loan until January 23 Kyle Leatherin has added since pre-season, Pat's attitude and desire to improve has been a different class and his progress over the last three months has been very good. He's going to Pontefract to get some well-needed men's football which will stand him in good stead for the rest of his career. But now on to some very important news. Um, we've taken the decision to stop producing HFC chat. This is the penultimate episode. We'll be producing one more, um, all being well next week. Unfortunately, with current commitments such as university final year and and uh, Daryl's commitments as well, we've we've taken a decision. Uh, it's not a, a decision that's been taken um, easily and or lightly. Um, you know, it, it's one that we love producing this podcast and, and we want to produce the best content and give the fans something that they want to listen to. But moving forward, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to uh, commit to that. So. This, our 49th episode, is the penultimate one. We'll be finishing next week on a high. Um, so 
you know, thank you for your constant support. I'm sure this will be reiterated next week. Um, but just to let all the listeners know that us at HFC Chat have taken the decision that this will be the penultimate episode um, and there will be one more to come from us. Um, but in the meantime, keep the faith, back the boys and of course, never say die. Sport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.